Welcome to 2020 Vision, a podcast about primaries, politics, but for the next four months, it will only be about primaries. primaries. I'm one of your hosts, Miliana Boucher. And I'm Ari Tusi. And today we're going to be talking about New Hampshire, both the debate and the election itself. A lot of stuff happened. Big things in a small state. Yeah, arguably an inconsequential state, but you know, that's really not. I'm sorry to the New Hampshireites, the one of you. Hey, Anna Van Dyne's from Vermont. That's basically the same thing. Wow, I'm pretty sure that's more offensive than what I just said. <laughs> we said last week that we'd talk about the debate, and we watched the debate. Well, I watched the debate. I haven't watched the debate. Well, here's what I can say about the debate. It was completely irrelevant. I agree with that, and I haven't seen that. Yeah, well, the only relevant part is that one of the questions asked if they were comfortable with a Democratic Socialist being the top of the Democratic candidacy, and the end of that question was Joe Biden giving Bernie Sanders a hug on stage. And that was the most interesting part of the debate. Was this, was this the thing where they were all like, we're going to support the nominee no matter, no matter who it is? Yeah, they were talking about like unity and stuff because it's really hard to say, I hate Bernie. But also it's really hard to say, I like Bernie when you're running against him. Exactly. Also, it's hard to say, like, you know, I'm not going to vote for the nominee when the, 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 the opponent yeah. is Trump. Exactly, um, yeah. <laughs> who's hosting this one? Um, this was ABC. Mm. So, you know, whatever. Um, although there was the debate, the more important thing that has happened is New Hampshire. Now, I spoke to my professor who is currently the head economic advisor for Pete Buttigieg, said that given the amount of uncertainty that came with the Iowa results, that New Hampshire this year is like the new Iowa. So this is Hmm. the new one that's kind of going to determine the momentum for the candidate that's going to go forward. That makes sense. I think I agree with that, actually. Yeah. Um, because they're both like extremely white. They're both completely irrelevant in every other metric. The only difference is that this the headlines for, for New Hampshire this morning weren't Iowa disaster. <laughs> well, they wouldn't be Iowa disaster. They'd be New Hampshire disaster. They weren't New Hampshire disaster. Yeah, exactly. It was really nice oh. to get results before 1 a.m. Also, this morning, the head of the Iowa, uh, not this morning, like at like 1-ish this afternoon, the head of the Iowa Democratic Party resigned. The results for New Hampshire are as follows. Bernie won. Bernie won. Pete um, Buttigieg. Not by a lot, but he did. Pete Buttigieg a second. Close margin. Roughly 2,000 votes. Yeah. Then we have Amy Klobuchar. And coming from behind. Okay, I mean, I talked use... about this before, but I am an Amy Klobuchar fan. Really? Yeah. I don't remember this at all. Yeah. She would be my vote. I would vote for Amy Klobuchar. I mean, I, I, would, I would take her over a lot of the other people. See, the thing I have about Amy Klobuchar... Um, and that I really appreciate is that if there was a Democratic candidate right now in office, like mm-hmm. if they had a Democratic president, mm-hmm. sure. Like you right could now have, in 2020. Yeah, sure. You could have Bernie and Bernie could probably win. Sure. But we have a Republican in office. So we probably need, you know, baby steps, probably need a moderate first. And then once they've done their eight years, right, because re-election, obviously. Right, right. Um, then you can have someone who's a little bit more liberal, a little right. more progressive. But I feel like at this stage... A moderate is more electable. And speaking of electability, Joe Biden, whose entire campaign is electability, basically conceded in the debate um, the other day that, you know, hey, I, I lost Iowa and I'm probably not going to do so well in New Hampshire, but I'm still the electability candidate, which seems kind of whack to me. And he also, going back to the New Hampshire results. He got fifth. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren still did better than he did. She's in fourth right now, but Biden is solid fifth still. One thing that is interesting, though, and I actually do laud Biden for this, is that he does have the position of the having the black vote as mm-hmm. of now. And so that might play a really interesting dynamic for the states that come, like South Carolina. South Carolina is his firewall. Yeah. yeah. It will really determine if he doesn't do well in South Carolina, he will 
not continue, and I think that he'll probably concede by Super Tuesday. Yeah, I'm, I mean, this is a very special election because usually we know by today after New Hampshire, we have a pretty clear idea of who's going to be the nominee. But we've had, you know, two different results in both states, two rather different results, by the way. And we also have the, the wild card of Bloomberg, who's not on any ballots before Super Tuesday. Um, so I think we can't say anything, uh, you know, we can't make any solid predictions until Super Tuesday. But I would say for sure that in the last two weeks, uh, Bernie Sanders has really solidified his position. Um, and he was always a front runner, but now he's very solid. I would actually call him the front runner right now, because um, after he did he did a very good job in Iowa. You know, came in second, but he also won in the popular vote in Iowa. In New Hampshire, he won, and now he's leading in all that in almost every national poll. Here's the problem with that, and I look at it a little bit differently. And obviously, feel free to disagree with me because I look at it pretty subjectively. But yes, he has the most but he is the only progressive candidate that you can consider a frontrunner. In terms of yeah. the moderate vote, the moderate vote has like 40%. Yes, exactly. That's why that's why we won't be able to tell yeah. until Super Tuesday. So it really, it, it's going to be a question of does America want to elect a progressive candidate or does America want to elect a more moderate candidate? And right now, moderate overall has more support. They haven't solidified un- under who that support yeah. is, but they have more support. And uh, you know, talking about solidifying the progressive vote, We've already been seeing for the last like month or so, Elizabeth Warren's supporters have been moving towards Bernie. Um, she's been dropping pretty steadily, and uh, even while, when she was a front runner for for a while, now she you know she came in uh, fourth in in New Hampshire. What was it third in third in Iowa? There have been a lot of reports from the ground uh, on Iowa and New Hampshire in particular, and more more importantly in Iowa, where you could see where people are caucusing. A lot of people were moving to Sanders, and now after today, when Andrew Yang dropped out. A lot of that support I could also see going towards Sanders because they have a very similar base, even if policy isn't similar. Uh, in terms of like the personality and the energy of their campaign, I think those attract similar types of people. I was actually saw something different. I saw that a lot of people were from Warren or moving to Klobuchar because a lot of people who are looking for a female vote are seeing Klobuchar as that second side of the New York Times endorsement, and yeah. so they see her as a really interesting candidate. The the, the thing with, with the Warren support is that it was pretty much split into two groups, right? There was this, the progressives, and there was the this very specific demographic of educated, middle-class women. And I think those are the people who are moving to Klobuchar now. Yeah. So we never talked about this on the podcast, but a while back, New York Times uh, editorial board released their nominations yeah. and their endorsements, and those no- endorsements were... Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. They endorsed two candidates, which they've never done before. And that I think that goes to show just how divided the Democratic Party yeah. is, which bodes not so great for rallying behind a single candidate. Yeah. But it does pose a really interesting question of can a woman become president? And although Warren has addressed this, I find that she addresses it pretty idealistically hmm. in terms of a woman can. Um, Klobuchar has struggled with and talks a lot more about how she struggles with the perception that a woman can't be president and so i think that that's an interesting dynamic however as i think about the candidates that are still remaining i do always think and i know that this is perhaps not the best thing to think about i always think about what it would look like one-on-one against donald trump on a debate stage because no trump supporter is watching what's going on right now they're going to watch Trump versus whoever wins. You want to hear something about a Trump supporter? I was I have a friend, we're not close. This guy who, who um, you know, he's not very politically engaged, but he voted for Trump last election. And, you know, someone that we were with asked him, you know, what do you think of the Democrats 
field. And he said, I think they should stop. I think I think Hillary Clinton should should drop. And I'm like, what? And he was under the impression that Hillary Clinton was a front runner in the primary. Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, I think that. So I think about this, and I think that might be an interesting thing to discuss, is who. Because now we have much fewer viable candidates, and I would argue that you almost have three. Yeah. It, four, if you consider Bloomberg. Bloomberg, I would I would call him a viable yeah. candidate. So you have four. As much as I'm loath yeah. to say that. You have three moderate candidates, and you have one progressive candidate. Bernie against Trump on a stage, I think, would look a lot like a name-calling match in which Trump's fallback would be, you're a f- socialist, and Bernie's fallback would just be like raise his hands in the air and his hair would stick straight up. Well, what it would be is uh, is Trump saying is calling him a socialist and Bernie saying income inequality. Yeah, or you're a fascist, something like that. Yeah, I I, I don't think Bernie would stoop that would stoop that that low though. Uh, not not that I don't think Trump has fascist tendencies, but because I respect I respect Sanders. You know? I no, I think that I feel like Sanders could because Sanders. He's really passionate about his position, and I think to be called just a socialist mm-hmm. would it would be cool to see a twist to, him to see uh, um, an old guy from Queens and an old guy from Brooklyn uh, arguing about uh, being as far apart as you could be in American politics. And yeah, about it. I'm taking a class currently with Professor John Sexton, which, if many of you don't know, he was NYU's president, he was NYU's law dean, and now he is teaching a class on Supreme Court. And although he doesn't like to talk about politics specifically, he did bring up the election today and mentioned that he thinks that most of us, so young NYU students, 18. are going to vote for a candidate who is almost as scary as Donald Trump. Because, you know, Bernie, as much as old as he is, he has that energy that he brings to the, to the stage. And um, that's also why I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Bloomberg on, on the debate stage next time, because that's also a thing that a lot of people cite in supporting him. Um, and a lot of people like who support Bloomberg say they want someone who can fight dirty, who can take it down to Trump's level and, you know, beat him at his own game. I personally see a lot of problems with that argument. I do, too. But I, I think it's going to be I think people who are saying that are a bit, saying a bit too early, especially because we haven't seen him on the debate stage yet on the national stage. Um, the only thing I have to go on is his, you know, time as mayor of New York, uh, which was a long time ago. And he was a much younger man then. And he also didn't have the whole cloud hanging over him of the buying the election thing which is pretty much what he's doing it's gotten to the point where even people that i like that i'm someone who's very strongly like i'm gonna vote for whoever the nominee is regardless of who it is against trump and the only person that has made me question that is bloomberg because it's not just a question of policy it's a question of the precedent that this would set at like bloomberg has 55 billion dollars in the bank he makes over two billion dollars a year just from passive income it's if he can if he can show that it's that easy to buy an election to buy a primary election jeff bezos 2028 it's going to set a terrible precedent yeah i don't want anyone to fight dirty with donald trump because Mm -hmm. i don't want donald trump to become the norm i want Mm -hmm. him to be the anomaly yeah i want people to see and look back on his presidency as a time when something was wrong political decorum went out the window and it was completely okay to say things that are horrific about others and to argue as if we were petty children and ignore facts entirely exactly and i don't want this to become the new norm i want this to become the weird anomaly where they're like we the pendulum swung too far (laughs) yeah the pendulum swung too far and it was checked not that the pendulum swung too far and then someone cut the rope and the the ball just flew yeah (laughs) so i 
I don't I don't like Bloomberg. I worry about that. Yeah. But I think that I don't know, I think that Klobuchar could do it. I think that Pete has too much baggage. Really? Yeah, I think that he's at his age. Not baggage in terms of like his political history. First of all, he does not have much of African American support. Mm, no, um, not at all. He also doesn't have much of political history. I actually find that really interesting because we're talking about Bloomberg and his connection to money, and then we, or at least I personally, look at Pete in a really negative light because of how he treated his donors or how he talked about having donors. So Pete Buttigieg talked about how he wasn't going to take any money from big donors. Like, that was not his thing. He was going to do a grassroots movement. And then he would have these host these big events in wine cellars where he would have these huge donors come in and just drop hundreds of thousands of dollars on his campaign. Right. And it made him look a lot like a hypocrite and, like, he was buying the election. And now we are lauding Bloomberg for doing the same thing but of his own money. I don't think anyone's lauding Bloomberg for this. I think I think what people are saying who support him again, like I think it's terrible. But people who support him, I think they're saying, regardless of this, they think this is the only chance of beating Trump, which I disagree with. But that's what that's what the the discourse is. I think that beating Trump is going to have to come down to beating him on a debate stage. You yeah. have to show Trump supporters that someone can say something to him that seems coherent. So the thing about the the debate stage is that I always consider the debates to be kind of inconsequential to changing people's minds mm-hmm. um because the types of debates that i would like to hear is people standing there and discussing the points of their policy and when that happens people tune out yes but that's not what debate that's is that's not anymore. what it is yeah it's who can make the biggest impression on people in the two or three hours of the debate and that's i think what killed castro i think that's what killed booker i would even argue that debates that were televised yes were no, never, never about, about arguing no no never never point i don't know if we've ever discussed this on this podcast and i'm sure many of you who are listening know this but when there was the first debate it was kennedy oh the first televised debate yeah the oh, first yeah, televised debate story. was kennedy versus nixon, nixon. Yeah. and the people who were watching the tv thought that kennedy won and the people who were on the radio said that nixon won yeah, and it just went to show how much something as simple as television presence and, I mean, this is disgusting, but attractiveness right. can play into someone's emotion. Because, look, look, JFK was a, was a good-looking guy. And Nixon, if you've seen the video of that, of that, I remember years ago, one of my professors showed it in class when he was talking about this exact he point. He could not stop sweating. He could not stop sweating. He was fumbling over his words. He was, I mean, he was making good points, but he did not, he did not present them well in the way that, like, like if you've ever taken like a public speaking class or prepared for something like that the things that like they teach you to do he was not good at doing those things yeah but more specifically he was very faced by the camera and so that's why on radio he sounded very eloquent and he sounded great because he sounded more like a politician he was discussing policy whereas jfk was really playing to the his advantage that he had with the camera and so that's why i think that debate today is much more impactful on what someone who's not interested in politics is going to vote because they're going to look at impressions. And that's why I'm thinking about how each of these candidates would stand up against Trump. And I want to go back because we talked about Bernie, but there are three more. Yes. So we kind of talked about Bloomberg too. Yes. So we have Pete. Pete. I think Pete on a debate stage against Trump would run into the same problems that Hillary did. There's two things that they both do. They talk about policy and they talk about morals morals now the thing the thing with that what we saw with hillary versus trump is that he would physically dominate the stage yeah and like that's something like 
even even like I'm looking at that, I'm like, wow, what's he doing? Like this is, this is terrible. On a more like lizard brain way of looking at it, of someone just watching this on TV who's not politically engaged, subconsciously it makes a difference. And yeah. that's the same thing that's going to happen to Pete. Like going off of that, Pete, I don't know him as a person. Yeah. But I'm going to guess that he has less stage presence than Hillary Clinton does. Mm. Well, because Hillary Clinton had years and years of experience with yeah. this. You know, he doesn't. And so I think that what Pete is going to do is he's going to try to fight fire with a hose. Um, but the problem is that it makes I... makes sense in reality. Yeah, but I feel like the hose in this scenario is going to be spitting like gasoline because Donald Trump's not really going to understand, I think, what Pete is going to say. And so things that are going to sound great to a Democrat are going to sound like bureaucratic swamp crap to someone who supports Donald Trump. Right, because what, 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 they're, what they're seeing is politician men use big words bad. Yeah. And so Donald Trump is going to attack Pete for saying things that he doesn't understand. Exactly. Um, which is going to fare really badly yeah. for Pete. Even if Pete is going to say things that are going to be super eloquent and very educated and very intelligent. And that's one of the things that, that Bernie does so well, as well as I thought Yang did this well as well. They stick to one to several, and Trump also does this well, stick to a few main points and stick to them and you say them in very simple terms. I think that Klobuchar could do that well. Mm -hmm. And I think that Klobuchar, the thing that she has going for her is that she can do both. Because when I talk to people who are very liberal, they say that even though they support Bernie, they think that Klobuchar sounds really smart. Mm -hmm. Like, smarter than Pete because she has a realness to her. Mm -hmm. Like, she's been Pete in... Sounds yeah. Pete, in my opinion, sounds very ingenuine in the way that he discusses policy and the way that he discusses what he wants for the world, especially given that he is the candidate that has the least concrete and policy. And this is what Trump is kryptonite against. This is how he destroyed Jeb Bush in the Republican primary. Like, destroyed him. Before the primary started, everyone thought, okay, Jeb's going to be the, the frontrunner. And he was for a while, and then just hit him like a freight train. Exact same thing with Rubio, and then it was just him and Cruz, and Cruz is insane, and Trump's insane, so it worked. Yeah, it's... I think that Klobuchar is good because just in, like, debates, she's really good at twisting words so a couple things hit. So every time, for instance, this is mm -hmm. something I noted, anytime she talks about the potential candidate, it's always a she. It's mm -hmm. always a she. It's never a he. Mm -hmm. And little stuff like that, and that has come up on a lot of blogs. Like, a lot of articles People have noted... noted on just how she says she, that's kind of the way that Donald Trump did his, like, his, I don't know, if, his, if you guys his, haven't seen the debates where it's just the them, one. he, he yeah. just walks around the stage like a shark, and he, like, swoops in behind her, kind of like he's going to attack her from the back. But, like, he's not. But is he? That's it's kind of what the whole debate. Like lizard brain stuff. Yeah. And so I think the Klobuchar could do both. So before we wrap this up, here's what to expect for the future. So we have more primaries coming every week. Next is going to be his firewall, as you mentioned. Biden's firewall is coming up. South Carolina, where the majority of the vote is going to be African-American. We'll see how that goes. Yep. Other things to keep up with is that we're going to do an event for Super Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. We'll have people live come episode. in. Live episode. We'll have people from both Aria and myself that will come and talk. That could be very interesting. Yep. And then otherwise, we will just keep you guys updated with how things are going. Um, I'm Liliana Boucher. And I'm Aria Tusi. I hope you enjoy whatever comes next. Yeah, thank you. Okay. You've been listening to WNYU on WNYU.org.